All right, so you are wondering if God is telling you to move from your hometown or familiar environment to this unknown place, but you want to make sure you heard him correctly, right? Cool. Stick around while I share my personal experience of moving from my hometown up in Jersey down to North Carolina. Hey, you are watching and listening to the Emerge podcast with Ashley Henderson. The Emerge episodes will be uploaded on a weekly basis to help you achieve personal growth, discover your entrepreneur skills, and stay inspired with Christian motivation by discovering the Bible was and still is very relevant. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Emerge podcast so you don't miss weekly videos on inspiration and encouragement. All right, saints, let's tune in to this week's episode. All right, so as you see in the title, how to know when it's time to move, speaking from personal experience. I believe with every story you hear, your mind can't help but offer up connections even when you can't relate to the entirety of the story. That's my goal here. By sharing what my relationship with God was like leading up to, during, and after the move, and also if you stick around towards the end, we are going to look into a well-known story in the Bible to bring some more insight into this journey you are getting ready to embark on. And yes, I said we because y'all need to get into your word. So yes, born and raised in Jersey. You're... <laughs> I grew up in a suburban area, so not poor, but not rich either. I moved around a lot in my childhood, some different cities within Jersey and some states two, three hours from Jersey. And it kind of sucked, to be honest. I've been to four schools in eight years since fifth grade. And if you do the math, because... Nowadays, it's clear some haven't passed basic algebra. Just kidding. Fight me later. If you do the math, I moved and changed schools every two years. So not long enough to discover who I was or develop any long-lasting, meaningful relationships. I moved around a lot due to being a child at a wedlock. My parents were never married and never have been married, and it really took a toll on me in my childhood. Now, I was still blessed and I don't hold any bitterness towards my families. That's not, that's not what this episode is about. But since I've moved around a lot, I believe I'm qualified to speak on this topic of moving on and letting go. So, first question you got to ask yourself, why do I feel the prompting to move from a comfortable, familiar, all I've ever known environment to a place where there's no guarantee of stability or support? Well, I may not be able to answer the question for you, but for me, I reached a point in my life where God was disrupting my relationships. I know we can all relate to praying this one prayer, Lord, please remove. That prayer has expedited delivery. Same day notice, Amazon Prime ain't got nothing on that delivery time. Your girl was caught slipping. I prayed that blessed sinner's prayer and God really had the audacity to answer me. Like, I just prayed for a million bucks the other day, and that prayer hit the ceiling and came right back down. But it felt as though God was on the edge of his throne, anticipating this one prayer for me. The reason why I say this is because all my relationships drop like flies. And it all happened around my birthday, too. Like, God, you couldn't have waited till after I received the presents to remove these people from my life? <laughs> so, one way you know it's time to move is when God intentionally starts causing discord in your relationships. Sometimes we forget that this walk is progression and not perfection. What does this mean? 
It means that this journey will constantly be filled with trials and tribulations to make us strong. We don't grow strong in complacency, but through consistency. The next question to ask is, what's really keeping me here? Oftentimes, we stay in environments due to peer pressure or our inner circle. Once God removed people from my life, I had some time on my hands to really sit and think about what God wanted for my life. I've been conditioned by my family to be a people pleaser. I've served and met the needs of people my entire life. It was one of the only things I knew how to do. And while I do believe we are called to love and serve one another because we are created for companionship, however, we were never created to be in relationships without God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what this verse tells me? That I cannot pour into someone else's cup if my cup is empty. Now, the enemy, he knows this too, so he'll try to send people into your life who have needs and wants, but if you don't have a relationship with God for yourself, you're not going to know how to discern if they were sent by God or not. Now that I know more and have grown in spiritual maturation, I know who and what I'm graced for, and more importantly, who and what I'm not graced for. Scriptures like, it's not good for the man to be alone and bear one another's burdens, have been misused due to ignorance and as spiritual manipulation to instill fear in God's people. Yes, we are to care for one another, but Jesus himself couldn't meet the needs of everyone at once. That's why he withdrew often. He was setting up a boundary. I've learned along the way that boundaries and limitations are to keep the right people and things in and the wrong people and things out. Just check out the episode, Be the Difference from a Distance to understand where I'm coming from. Lastly, I knew that God was calling me to move out of my hometown when this inner conviction would not go away and nothing I tried was working. Let me explain. I tried reestablishing and reconciling relationships, but it never worked out or I was constantly being misunderstood and what I was saying was being taken way out of context. I tried warning people about the devils and demonic influences in their life and nothing was working. The inner conviction of God saying, you need to leave now, was urgent and forewarning. I couldn't shake the way this just felt different. The cost of peace is expensive. There's a despairing side to acquiring peace. It is not for the weak, because it's not easy. It's expensive. It was hard leaving the only home I've ever known, especially since I've had a lot of inconsistencies in my childhood. So yes, the cost of peace is expensive, but it is well worth it to reclaim back my mental, my physical, financial, and spiritual health. For the first time in my life, I chose myself, and now I live with zero regrets because of it. I make no apologies for my obedience. There's another man in the Bible by the name of Abraham who also made no apologies for his obedience, especially when it came to sacrificing his one and only son, at the time, Isaac. But I would like us to look at the man Abram and his journey to becoming the father of many nations. I'll be drawing scriptures from Genesis chapter 12 and 13, and I won't read all of it. I'll just take a few scriptures here and there. But I seriously encourage the saints to read the word for yourself. Take it back to God in the secret place 
for your own insight and understanding of the text. All right, beginning with chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old, and he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. All right, uh, let's skip down to chapter 13, verses 2 through 9. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's of excuse me, Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left Hand, then I will go to the right, or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. Well, so did you catch that? The Lord gave Abram three instructions. One, go from your country, go from your kindred, go from your father's house to the land I will show you. What happens when you half obey what God said? There's no such thing as half obedience. It's either full obedience or full disobedience. God gave you the vision, Abram, not Lot, not your wife, Sarai, you. A lot of times when God speaks, many of us begin to lean on our own understanding and go in our own strength. Two things we're commanded not to do and wind up mad and frustrated with God and the people around us when God never told us to bring an audience with us. The instructions were, go from your country, go from your kindred, go from your father's house to the land I Will show you. So Abram obeyed the first command, but Lot invited himself into Abram's business with the Lord. God stopped speaking to him because God takes obedience very seriously. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Kindred or kinsmen mentioned in the text is defined as similar in kind or related. and never says that Lot was a bad person. Lot is Abram's nephew, his family. We fam, right? No. The family that I've been adopted into is of far more importance to God and myself than the family God used to bring me into this world. I cannot empathize this enough. The word of God never says that Lot, his possessions, his family were bad people. The Hebrew definition of Lot means veil, hidden, covering. In some cases, this could be a good thing. Women wear veils on their wedding day. 
God's servants, Elijah and Moses, were hidden in plain sight. God is love and love covers a multitude of sins. But veil, hidden, and covering in this context means to cap, limit, or prevent. Lot was preventing Abram from receiving the blessing because he invited himself into Abram's plans for whatever reason, I'm not sure. But there was a reason why the Lord spoke again in chapter 13, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Amazing. After Lot left, God spoke the same promises he made in chapter 12, later in chapter 13. Oftentimes we think we're waiting on God, but maybe God is waiting on us to obey the first instructions he gave us. It may not be a prayer and fasting deficiency. It may be a memory problem. Yes, we're human with many tasks and people vying for our strength and intention throughout the day. It's possible to forget to spend time with God and forget the promises he's spoken to us. The good news is, according to James 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Faithful obedience brings God's blessings to the child of God and causes others to glorify God. Unfaithfulness is a bad testimony, which causes others to dishonor God. Let us be faithful. This is not an easy subject to talk about, but hopefully the Spirit of God has given you peace to carry with you as you journey to your next endeavor. God bless saints, and I will catch you in the next one.